had with a very beautiful and committed Christian lady who I've known for more than 30 years, one of those wonderful, loyal, dedicated people. But she was plagued by the death of her late husband that had happened 30 years ago. She was plagued by the circumstance and the tragedy of that death and always felt responsible. What else could I have done? And when we met on regular occasions, she would sort of broach the subject but didn't want to explore it any further. And it was quite obvious it was always in the back of her mind. At the beginning of the year, her health began to fail. And she said, Brian, I've got to talk to you. And so we got together and we talked at great length about this event that had plagued her life for so long. And she slowly brought out of the dark, deep within her soul, out into the light, and suddenly everything was very different. Now, if you used to see this beautiful person now, she's the same person with, it, with one exception. She has a beautiful smile. She is completely at peace. In many ways, she's a different person because the thing that troubled her had been brought out in the light where God could deal with it and heal it. And I think many of us carry too many burdens. So I want to use the Easter story to help you understand how great God's forgiveness is. And first I want to think about two people in the Easter saga, Judas Iscariot and Peter. Two disciples, two people who followed Jesus with a very different outcome. The thing that Peter and Judas have in common, they both betrayed the person they loved. They both were found wanting during that hour of need. But Judas takes his life out of guilt, out of pain for what he had done. Now, I know in the gospel he's often referred to as a thief and other things, but there's no other explanation why he couldn't deal with the fact that Jesus had been condemned to death because he had betrayed him to the Sanhedrin. And so he takes his life. Jesus is a real desperate spot in his life. And first of all, in the Garden of Gethsemane, they couldn't stay awake and pray with him because they were tired. And there Jesus predicts that Peter will be, deny him. And we find just six or seven hours later, he's asked three times, do you know Jesus? No way. No friend of mine. Now, if you've ever been let down by somebody you trust, or you think will help you when you're in the pits, it's pretty devastating to be betrayed like that. And yet Peter did it out of sheer fear. But today, we see the same Peter being restored by Jesus himself. He betrayed him three times, and he asks three times, do you love me? Now, we know that this completely changed Peter's life. Note, once again, which I talked about last Sunday, 
They're back fishing on the Galilean Sea, doing what they did three years before. None of them recognised Jesus when he was on the lake shore. And that's important to understand that only those that had faith in Jesus Christ had walked with him and talked with him and knew the things he did, recognised him in the resurrection. He didn't impose himself on Pontius Pilate or Caiaphas, which he could have done and many humans would have been tempted to do. I'm right, you're wrong. Look, a natural instinct of getting even, but Jesus didn't do that. And there's many books written about these two chapters of John's Gospel, the significance of the fish and the bread, there's no Eucharistic meal uh, in John's Gospel. But Peter's restored and Jesus talks about Peter's death. Now, legend has it that when, after Peter was in prison, he was taken out to be crucified and he said to those that crucified him, I'm not worthy to die as my Lord did. I want to be crucified with my head facing the ground. And legend has it, that's exactly what took place. He was crucified upside down. And so these people have such a change in their lives. I want to think about the thief on the cross because many older people tend to say, it's too late, too late to change things. I can't do anything about it. And they stay locked into that situation. But my beloved friend, who was able to change her life at 86, has made a huge difference. I want you to think about the second person that was crucified with Jesus, who just simply said to Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus responded, today you'll be with me in paradise. This man, whole life would have been changed in that instant. He only had that much left. But I'll guarantee it made a huge difference to his death. Knowing that he was forgiven, he was going to be with Jesus in paradise at that last few moments or hours of his life. So, my friends, if you're burdened by anything, it is never, never too late to bring it out and get rid of it. And, of course, our second or our first reading today from Acts Apostle, Saul, a murderous soldier. If you read earlier in Acts... St Stephen was the first Christian martyr and when the crowds came out to stone him to death because he was preaching that Jesus risen from the dead, Saul was on his horse, they laid their cloaks at his feet and consented to what the mob were doing. That's exactly what happened. Saul was hell-bent on destroying this new Christian faith gets letters of authority, go down to Damascus and wreak havoc on the new Christian converts. But on the way, something amazing happens. 
he sees a light which the others didn't see and he hears a voice and the voice simply says Saul Saul why are you persecuting me and Saul responds who is it that is speaking and the voice comes back it is Jesus whom you are persecuting and then the next phase is very interesting Saul's blinded for three days. Can you imagine or go out through your mind or my mind and you're suddenly blinded and heard the voice of the Lord and wonder, what's this all about? He would have been totally, totally confounded by the events that overshadowed him. And after three days of blindness, Cornelius comes down and baptises Saul. He takes on the name Paul, and we, the rest, to use modern jargon, is history. The most prolific writer in the New Testament that established churches throughout Asia and spent the last years of his life in prison, writing letters to the churches, and that's most of our New Testament. Persecuting soldier to convert to be revered by the church because he came to turn to where he was at, but also during his three days of blindness came to terms with his guilt. God had forgiven him for what had taken place, for the things that he had done. And, you know, in many ways, that's the story, the two halves of my life, is that knowledge that even though you've gone down a path that was wrong and inflicted pain, there comes a point where you can start all over again. And that's the only reason I can still come and share ministry with you guys. It's the only reason... And at half past ten, I'll be in the prison chaplain chapel telling the same story to a group of prisoners, giving them hope that they can start again, that the Christian faith is built upon people who are second-chance people and that Christian people never, never need to carry guilt no matter what the circumstance is. As I've said to you many times over the years, I personally believe that guilt is the most destructive force at work in the world today. It destroys more lives than any other single thing. And those that it does in the end, it just spoils them. And yet it is an unnecessary burden to carry. We don't need to carry it. Your sins are forgiven. Your sins were nailed on the cross. You are new, free, liberated people. And when you read the early accounts of the Christian converts, it was their attitude and the way they lived life that attracted people in. And that great verse in Acts, look at these Christians See how they love one another. See how they love one another. 
And in recent months, I've always been using the summary of the law as a prayer for peace because it is the most powerful prayer for peace that could ever be written, that we learn to live together as one family, coming to the realisation that God loves everybody equally, that God wills that everybody should be saved and enter his presence in his kingdom. And that is the proclamation of the Christian church. And in the meantime, we are enjoying life, I hope. And what I want you to do this morning, in a few moments of silence, if there is a burden in your life, something that comes to mind that you wish had never happened, a mistake you've made, I want you, when you come up for communion, to leave it at the cross. Leave it at the altar. And when you go back to your place, don't pick it up again. That's the mistake we make. We hand our burdens over and then or immediately or within weeks we pick them up again. That's not what Jesus said. Your sins, your mistakes. And I think possibly the word sin can confuse people's lives. Anything that destroys our peace of mind and our serenity is a sin because it stands between us and the joy that God wants us to enjoy on a daily basis. Anything that stands between people is a sin because it separates. So, my friends, I just pray God's blessing on you. Open your hearts and your minds. Lay your burdens down. So, once again, and leave them there. So, Father, bless this congregation as we go through this time of reflection.